but uh, much though I loved them all, my colleagues in the School of Economics, where economics is concerned, very small C, conservative, neoclassical, mainstream economists, and quite frankly, not only was there no interest in running MMT courses, there would have been a revolution if the university had allowed me to do it. They were happy for me to teach single subjects in uh, undergraduate degree and master's degree uh, relating to MMT, but that was on the basis that there were 20 other people teaching something very different. And so Mm. I was seen as something of a curiosity. Mm. Um, So I didn't get anywhere. So uh, rather than uh, Con and I just accept that, uh, we decided to do something about it. Welcome to Activist NNT, a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with Australian MMT economist Stephen Hale about the new and unprecedented graduate program in Economics of Sustainability. The program, which starts in September 2022, will be run by Torrens University, is backed by Modern Money Lab, and primarily developed by Stephen and Australia's leading ecological economist, Phil Lawn. Today in part one, Stephen talks about how the program came to be, the potential resistance expected from classical economics departments, and the basics of ecological economics. Next week in part two, Stephen gives an overview of the curriculum and potential degrees students can pursue, from a graduate diploma to a PhD. Until now, this podcast has served as my way to give myself as close as possible the education I was convinced I would never be able to return to. This is because of the potential cost, student debt again, and the impossibility of forsaking income and uprooting my family. I have two little boys. My wife has a reasonably secure union job as an elementary school teacher, and we just purchased our first home in summer 2021. Torrens changes everything. At $2,200 a course, given the current exchange rate between Australia and the US, it's expensive, but an entire degree at Torrens is about the cost of a single year in the predatory education system in the United States. Also, Torrens provides online access for those outside of Australia, recording the lectures for those whose time zones and work hours are incompatible with an in-person schedule. This makes it possible for anyone, anywhere, with any work schedule 
to take all of these courses. Direct in-person interaction with professors and fellow students will be scheduled multiple times each week, and there's always direct access to administrators when needed. Needless to say, I'm very excited. You can find out more about the Economics of Sustainability graduate program at Torrens by going to modernmoneylab.org.au slash courses. modernmoneylab.org.au slash courses. You'll also find some additional resources in the show notes. Finally, before we begin, I want to clarify. I very clumsily asked a question which Stephen understandably misunderstood. What I meant to say was, Khan Michalarkis is the second wealthy person I'm aware of to care enough about MMT to use his own resources and to encourage those in his network to pool their resources in order to further develop and spread MMT. I also meant to say that the truly elite benefit from the masses not understanding how the economy works. And now, on to my conversation with Stephen Hale. Enjoy. Uh, okay. You know, I, I actually never knew that there were half time zones. I was very surprised to hear that my 8 o'clock at night on Sunday is your 9.30 in the morning on Monday. Well, there are only a couple, I think, in the world, and yeah, we're one of them. Okay. All right. Well, good morning. Um, well, uh, I, I want to talk about, about Torrens. I, I don't know exactly, you know, I know it's Torrens and, and, and Modern Money Labs, so I don't exactly kind of know the, the official name to it, but um, I'm obviously, I, I'm pretty excited about this. So thank you for coming on. And can you, why don't you just start by introducing, introducing your, just, just briefly how this came to be, why this is important and uh, and we'll just go from there. How this came to be, uh, that is, uh, there's a long story and a short story. I have been, I suppose, in the media at least, not academically, but in the media in Australia, the second most prominent modern monetary theory economist for a, nearly 10 years now. I did a talk nearly 10 years ago uh, on behalf of the Australian Greens about modern monetary theory and its implications, which quite a lot of people watched and which uh, got me some gigs in the media as well and came to the attention locally in South Australia of some people working in the financial sector, including a gentleman called Con Michalakis, who is the chief investment officer of Statewide Super, which is our largest investment fund in South Australia. Um, for a long time, Con and his colleagues were quite sceptical about modern monetary theory, although gradually coming round. And then uh, just over two years ago, we had at the university that I was working at, the University of Adelaide, where I worked for about 20 years, a visiting professor called Stephanie Kelton. And Stephanie's visit over here in just before the pandemic in January 2020 was a big thing. She was in all the media outlets. Every newspaper in Australia interviewed her. She was on TV as well. And she had a big impact locally 
on, in the finance sector too. And after Stephanie's visit, Con in particular became a huge fan of modern monetary theory if he wasn't fully on board before. And immediately after she was here, he started talking to me about running postgraduate courses in modern monetary theory at the University of Adelaide. And I tried very hard to get uh, my university interested, but uh, much though I loved them all, my colleagues in the School of Economics, where economics is concerned, very small C, conservative, neoclassical, mainstream economists, and quite frankly, not only was there no interest in running MMT courses, there would have been a revolution if the university had allowed me to do it. They were happy for me to teach single subjects in uh, undergraduate degree and master's degree uh, relating to MMT, but that was on the basis that there were 20 other people teaching something very different. And so I was seen as something of a curiosity. Mm. Um, So I didn't get anywhere. So uh, rather than uh, Con and I just accept that, uh, we decided to do something about it. If anything, the opposition uh, of the economics department in the university I used to work at made us more radical, not less. Uh, We had a friend who we were hoping to speak to on this podcast, but we had technical issues, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, um, who is Australia's leading ecological economist, genuinely the country's leading one, and one of the world's leading ecological economists. And is also, as you know, Jeff, because uh, you've uh, you met him in New York, I think. Yes. Uh, he's is uh, also a modern monetary theory economist too, but he's first and foremost, Phil, uh, an ecological economist. So what we decided to do was to put together a suite of postgraduate qualifications in modern monetary theory, and ecological economics. Ecological economics is giving us the guide to what our higher purpose should be. We talk about public purpose a lot in MMT. Well, the public purpose is, uh, uh, let's say, more precisely defined in ecological economics than it sometimes is in, in MMT. And, of course, modern monetary theory, the correct description of the monetary system sitting within or on the shoulders of post-Gangian macroeconomics. It, it, as we know, talks about how you can more effectively pursue the public purpose if you understand the monetary system and the role of the federal government budget within the monetary system. So they go together very well. We were particularly interested in doing this because there are literally no qualifications, not even a single one, anywhere in the world that do this at the moment, at undergraduate or postgraduate level. There are lots of places where you can study ecological economics. There are a few places where you can study macroeconomics from an MMT perspective. There are precisely zero places where you can combine the two together. And in our view, 21st century economics is about combining the two together. 
So we started talking to other universities in Australia, but we found that in all the government universities in Australia, there was basically, as far as we could tell, there was no interest in allowing us to do this, basically because of opposition from the normal neoclassical economists. I guess we learned why there are no such qualifications as this at the moment anywhere in the world. It's very difficult to persuade a university to let you to launch them, particularly a university that has an existing economics department. There are two private universities in Australia. They are accredited in exactly the same way as the government universities, but they're not owned by the government. And, uh, you know, they are, let's not get away from it, they are profit-making institutions. Um, one of them has its headquarters in South Australia, although it has campuses all over the country, and it's called Torrens University. And I knew some people in Torrens University, and one of the leading academics in Torrens University I knew to be a fan of modern monetary theory, a gentleman called Greg Harper, who will be our boss, really, when we launch our new programs through Torrens later on this year. I met the Vice-Chancellor of Torrens University. Now, the term Vice-Chancellor in Australia, as I think in the UK, basically it means the boss of the university on the academic side. They also have chancellors, but the chancellors are just honorary positions. The Vice-Chancellor is sort of the chief executive as far as academic matters is concerned in the university. I don't know what the equivalent term would be in the US, whether it would be the university president or something like that. Anyway, when I went to see the vice chancellor of Torrens University, I discovered that he was reading Kate Raworth's book, Donut Economics. Mm. And he's very, he's a sociologist and very interested in ecological economics. So we discovered, this was about a year and a half ago, that Torrens University in principle, was very interested in the venture that we wanted to undertake and that of the 40 universities in Australia, we started talking to Torrens University a year and a half ago. It has been a very long journey uh, with any university if you want to, well, you want to persuade them if you're coming from outside the uni to let you effectively set up your own department run your own suite of qualifications. Um, there are any number of stakeholders that you have to engage with, more committee processes than I can remember, one of which involved our dear friend Fadel Kaboob attending and getting up at 3 a.m. Mm. in Ohio mm. to attend online uh, an Australian university meeting to help us get everything uh, uh, accredited. He's been really supportive, mm. uh, as as had uh, Stephanie. Um, we eventually uh, got an agreement signed between ourselves and Torrens. But when I say between ourselves and Torrens, we uh, set up uh, a think tank, I suppose you could call it, called Modern Money Lab. It was originally created because we were going to uh, run some short courses, non-university courses in MMT, and publish some research 
through the institution, but it has morphed into largely the body which is writing all the study materials for the subjects in the Torrens qualifications and which will continue to own the intellectual property of the subjects within the Torrens qualifications. And then the qualifications themselves are being offered by Torrens University in partnership with Modern Money Lab. So Phil right. and I are both economists with Modern Money Lab. And because of what we're doing at Modern Money Lab, we're described as adjuncts at Torrens University. So Phil is an adjunct professor because he has a very strong publication record in ANA star journals. And I don't, so I'm an adjunct associate professor, but we're both... Uh, we both, if you like, have one foot in each camp. We're in Modern Money Lab, but we are also, with. Uh, if you're adjunct staff, it means basically you're unpaid staff of the university as well. From the point of view of students on this program, we'll be university staff, but actually we are working for, for the charity for mm. Modern Money Lab. Anyway, eventually it took well over a year um, we were able to sign an agreement that everybody was happy with, uh, which uh, means that the courses will run the way we want to run them. It means that the, there will be tuition fees, which there have to be, but they will be at the level we want them to be at. Uh, over time, a proportion of the income which comes from charging people tuition fees will go into a scholarship fund but obviously that will take a little bit of time because mm -hmm. uh, um, we have to get the funding into it first so we'll be able to do that as well <laughs> and we have designed and this has been an immense job I, mean, I retired from Adelaide University at the end of last year and at least at the moment both Phil and I are doing this for uh, with zero remuneration hopefully that won't remain the case forever but um, I have never worked so hard in my life because we're doing all the committee processes, we're writing the materials, we're getting other people to help with some of the writing. Dirk Entz is a well-known MMT economist who's going to help us mm. uh, putting all this uh, together. I also have a former colleague who's an econometrician who's going to help us with some of the material. But most of it, Phil and I, are writing and what's my week like at the moment? I've done, I think, four public talks, uh, a podcast, uh, <laughs> two committee meetings, and then this interview in the last seven days on top of trying and to... And don't, don't forget tech support. To go. Uh, that's right. So, uh, so <laughs> I have never worked as hard in my life, but the gratifying thing is that because we won't have the final committee meeting which will enable us to accept applications until July the 13th, we've not actually done formal advertising of these qualifications yet. And so far, the promotion of them has really just been me mentioning them on Twitter. Mm. But we've had nearly 100 inquiries. Mm. And we were only really budgeting for a September intake of 20 students. So I think this is going to be 
quite a big thing. I think it is going to be genuinely a path-breaking world first, and I think we're going to find quite rapidly that other institutions copy us, which is absolutely fine. I'm quite happy to be in five to ten years' time, when I'm too old to do this anyway, made redundant because there are dozens of universities in the world doing something like this. But at the moment, uh, Torrens, in partnership with Modern Money Lab, is going to be the very first. Well, okay, I have a lot of questions. Um, I'm going to ask, all right, my first question is two related things. Number one, a wealthy person, uh, the, the fund person, forgive me, I forget his name, is Colin Mitchell Yeah, he is helping. He is the chair of Modern Money Lab, and um, the expenses. You know, as you will have learned with with my colleague Phil today, we are not necessarily the world's greatest experts in media and <laughs> IT, and we are going to have. This is going to be very professionally done. So we're having experts behind us. So just to get this off the ground is going to cost us five hundred thousand oh, dollars. I'm sure. I don't have. I don't have five hundred thousand dollars. So, so what I, is this person's name again? Uh, his name is Con Michelakis. Con. Con yeah, is his first C-O-N. name. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's uh, it's short. He's he's uh, uh, Greek Australian. Uh, okay. Uh, Con, great, great guy. If people want to look him up, they can go on the Modern Money Lab site, modernmoneylab.org.au, and they'll find everybody that's involved in what somewhere or another. Stephanie Kelton, Con, Fadel, me, Phil, and lots of other people are okay. listed on there. All right, so Khan is yeah. a rich person that wants to help with MMT. And the reason that I'm saying that is because there's only one wealthy person on the planet that I have heard of before today that is actually is not afraid of MMT. I mean, wealthy people benefit from not understanding how the economy works. And obviously, he is a rare exception. Um, and, and a related question, which you can answer both of these at the same time, is number one, do you really expect this to be copied around the world? Because is that something that people who can profit would want to spread around the world? And, you know, I'm sort of kind of surprised. I mean, yeah, of course, if it makes profit, but in the long run, will it hurt their profits because people will understand how the economy works and then therefore reveal uncomfortable truths? And a, a, a secondary I don't really, you know, this is this is secondary, but I just want to put it out there and get your thoughts of this program. You you are you have permission or you have whatever to make this program as you wish, but as you wish is to really help people understand how the economy works in the context of making the planet a place where we can actually live in the long term. And that does not benefit some people. And so I'm I'm, you know, uh, do you really foresee there's just going to be, you know, I mean, just just to loosely say it, you know, sabotage of, of trying to stop it in some sense. And that's a secondary kind of concern, but I just want to put it out there. Well, let, let's start with the first question, Jeff. I think you're a little bit naive there in that the biggest uptake of MMT is on Wall Street. There okay. are lots and lots of people that you might regard as, I mean, in a way, compared to 90 
nine percent of the world population. I'm a wealthy person, but not not compared to not compared to people like Kong. Um, it's certainly not the case that the only wealthy person ever to take an interest in MMT is Warren Mosler. Very okay. very far from it. Uh, modern monetary theory has got further in the finance sector than virtually anywhere else. And that is because if you are a fund manager, and in the case of Con, let me just say what his job involves. His, we have in Australia a compulsory private saving system where, uh, as far as saving for retirement is concerned. It's not one that I was designed, but it's one that having been in place for nearly 30 years now is popular enough with people so that it's not going to be scrapped anytime soon which is that a proportion of our wages or salaries is automatically invested towards retirement. Now, people have a choice which investment fund they can put their, it's called superannuation savings, into. The biggest fund in South Australia is the one that Con manages. So Con's job is to invest the savings of hundreds of thousands of ordinary people to build up a retirement nest egg for them for themselves that's that's the job that he does and he and other people in finance that do similar things uh, or even that do different things uh, they are much more likely to be interested in a realistic approach to thinking about economics than people working in university ivory towers are necessarily. If it works, they'll be interested in it. And and that's why, as I said, it's not only con, I've been asked to talk in numerous financial institutions about MMT and insights from MMT over time. And really famous economists like Bill Mitchell and Stephanie Kelton get asked to talk in many, many more of these places than than I do. So that is something of a misconception. The idea okay. that modern monetary theory is something that only progressives uh, on the uh, left are interested in is wrong. But it's also wrong that to uh, think that uh, a fund manager isn't going to be a progressive. Con is very interested in in uh, inequality. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that he is somewhat associated with the Australian Labour Party. Uh, he's he's not uh, he's not your um, uh, he's not a sort of cartoon wealthy uh, exploitative capitalist. That's not Con Michalakis. Um, anyway, that that's the situation as far as Con is concerned now. In terms of sabotage, uh, before, before before you go on, I just want to yeah. I just want to clarify that I, I you know I, I you know I I admit that in a sense I am naive I can't know but there is an interesting and you don't have to address this but you, there is an interesting there is obviously resistance from some quarters. The main resistance is the economics profession. Okay, it's not okay. finance; it's the economics profession, and principally the economics profession in universities, okay. academics. All right, that's that makes sense. And that's where, if we are successful, um, which I hope we will be, that's where the main attack will be. And I welcome that because actually I think that um, we would be better off 
if the majority of university economics departments globally were closed down or <laughs> were significantly reformed because, mm -hmm. of course, of the nonsense, the misleading nonsense uh, that, that they spread, which does uh, often serve the interests of a part of the elite. It's true, albeit that in many cases people are doing this unconsciously because they have learnt this one misleading approach to thinking about the economy and they think it's the only uh, approach. So, okay. yes, we will come under attack. We may come under attack from sections of the media. I'm ready for that, the Murdoch media perhaps. But I, what I'm expecting more than anything else is that we'll come under attack from economics departments in some of those universities which are seen as the leading universities in Australia and perhaps elsewhere in the world too. Mm. That's mm. where I'm expecting the attack from. Okay. That having been said, Torrens University is a self-accrediting Australian university like all the other ones and uh, um, we are going to design, I hope, such high quality courses that they'll basically be immune from attack and the university will support us. And so I welcome those attacks. The more that uh, I won't name anybody, but the more that uh, conservative neoclassical economists want to attack what we're doing, the better, because fundamentally where it matters, in my opinion, we're in the right and they're not. And I think that's obvious. All right. Thank you for addressing that. I acknowledge that, that it was crude. I think there is something important to address in no, there. No, I, I wouldn't say crude. <laughs> I wouldn't say crude. But but you you will, you know, if you if you were to ask Stephanie or if you were to ask Bill Mitchell, they'd give you a, a list of uh, investment institutions that they've given talks on MMT. Uh, there is a lot of interest in finance. Rob Parento is is from Wall Street and mm -hmm. uh, part of MMT is a Parento chart, which is, you know, related to the sectoral balances chart. Uh, um, there's been plenty of contributions to modern monetary theory from finance professionals. Okay. Um, uh, just a very brief comment, and then I'm going to move on to another thing. And, and you said, um, you know, ecological economics is MMT is not necessarily, and MMT allows ecological economics. MMT does not contradict ecological economics in any way. Mainstream econo mainstream economics does not allow ecological economics. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's correct. Uh, mainstream economics is replete with myths, uh, which, without going into the whole history of economic thought, some of them. Uh, uh, had uh, a political origin. So the myth in neoclassical economics that people get paid what they contribute towards national output, marginal productivity theory, um, for example, was developed in the late 19th century really as a reaction to the growing um, success and, and, and influence of Marxist political economy. Uh, it, it wasn't a scientific advance it was misleading. It wasn't. It doesn't, in any sense, describe the distribution of income. And actually, it set back the study of the distribution of income and wealth in economics probably for a century or, or more. There are many myths in neoclassical 
economics. Among the myths in neoclassical economics is an ecological myth. Within neoclassical economics, nature is seen as something, first of all, separate from human beings, Mm. something which is there for us to exploit uh, as we so desire to not just meet our needs, but to contribute towards our wealth over time. But it's also seen as inexhaustible, Mm -hmm. something you can exploit forever without any restraints. And if there are issues relating to, for example, pollution, which have an adverse effect on people, well, they're not really seen as central to the economic process Indeed, they're called negative externalities. Uh, And the idea is in neoclassical economics, if you could only price them correctly, then within the general equilibrium model, uh, substitutions could be made. So we substitute away from pollutive activities or we develop technology to reduce the uh, impact of pollutive activities and everything will be able to go on as before. Uh, the scale of economic activity will be able to continue to increase forever and ever without any ecological limits. That's part of neoclassical economics. I just heard your your interview with Phil on Modern Money Donuts about you know you start you were talking about Torrens, but you really got into ecological economics, and it mm. strikes me that that what you just said is really it is basically creating a system where it still allows individuals to do whatever they want, regardless of the macro effects of what they have. So let's pretending that a price on carbon or whatever will make it such that we don't need any central, any central governance really, because the price itself is the maximum, uh, uh, you know, is the, is the extent of that governance and that will still allow individuals to do whatever they want and the world will be okay when obviously that's not the case. Yeah, well, uh, ecological economics is uh, it's a, a, whole, a whole school of thought within our discipline. And just as, um, Jeff, you're a, you have a, a high degree of expertise in modern monetary theory, you know that you cannot properly explain in two or three minutes what modern monetary theory is there's a lot more to it the same is true of ecological economics but i suppose if i had to talk about ecological economics for two or three minutes i would say first of all it's about recognizing that we are not separate from nature we are a part of it and we depend on it and secondly it is about recognizing that there are genuine, um, backed up by science, by physics, there are genuine limits to the scale of economic activity which our planet will support without our planet deteriorating as a home for us in future generations. And if, if you have to summarise those limits, if we want to live sustainably, we cannot continue to generate um, waste indefinitely at a rate which is above the rate at which the planet 
can safely process that waste. We are Mm -hmm. doing that at the moment, not just in terms of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas emissions, but that's the obvious example to give. We also cannot use up or continue to use up renewable resources at a rate which is faster than the rate at which they can be renewed. We can't keep catching more fish than can be reproduced in the sea. Otherwise, you run out of fish. You can't keep cutting down all the trees in rainforests, uh, etc. And thirdly, you can't use up your non-renewable resources like cobalt at a rate which exceeds your ability to develop renewable substitutes for them. Now, we are not obeying any of those three presets to sustainability at the moment. And there are good reasons for thinking that we are not going to be saved in the future by just by carbon pricing or by technological developments, by businesses talking about environmental and social governments, by responsible investments and green bonds. All those things can help, but we're not going to be saved uh, from the consequences of what we're doing at the moment, which is living well outside our planetary boundaries without us addressing the fact that in the future there are going to be limits to the total scale of our economic activity. We cannot continue indefinitely to run our economies with the aim of maximising what people call economic growth. Just to give you a, a little statistic that, or a bit of arithmetic anyway, that I like to throw at people sometimes when people are sceptical about this. Um, The world economy has grown over the last 30 years at a little bit more than 3% per annum. Now, that seems like a a very moderate rate of economic growth. But if you were to, well, let's say Adam Smith is 250 years in the past, the person who's often seen as the founder of, uh, of economics as a discipline. Let's go 250 years in the future. If you apply 3% growth per annum for 250 years, you end up with a global economy in terms of its scale, which is 1,000 times as big as we have at the moment. Now, Mm. we can't go in a time machine, but I'm very, very confident that's not going to happen. Just on the basis of what I understand from the physics, not only of climate change, but of ecological sustainability generally, Now, on that basis, we have to start thinking soon about what it means to build a society which is thriving rather than what it means to be continuously in the pursuit of a growing economy. We need to stop thinking about the people and nature being here to serve the interests of the great God, real GDP and perpetual Mm -hmm. economic growth. And Mm -hmm. we need to start thinking about how can we provide everybody, and I don't just mean everybody in the US or in Australia either, I mean everybody, with the best possible opportunity of having a good quality of life, 
with access to adequate food and food security and housing and energy and education and hopefully all those other things too, like a voice and political rights, without living outside our planetary boundaries. Because at the moment, we are outside of our planetary boundaries globally, and actually two-thirds of countries individually are living outside their planetary boundaries. We are uh, we're, we're emitting too much carbon dioxide, um, methane, nitrous oxide, we are adding far too much nitrogen and phosphorus to our soils. We are going through extinctions of species at something like 100 to 1,000 times the uh, long-run sustainable figure. Insect populations are being decimated around the world. Topsoil is being eroded. Dead zones are, are, uh, are developing in our waterways in the seas we are putting far too much plastic into the environment these are all issues which fundamentally in the view of ecological economics relate to the scale of our economic activity it may be that we can decouple economic activity from ecological impacts sufficiently in the years to come so that we don't have to significantly shrink the scale of our economic activity. It may even be that, uh, although Phil would not agree with me on this, that it may be possible that there may be some years of growth which are possible without completely decimating the planet. But where we do agree is that it's not possible to do this uh, indefinitely. And the, uh, the sooner we change how we define the public purpose, uh, uh, what our objectives are going to be, what sort of things are going to define a good quality of life in 2040 or 2050 and start planning for this, the better. And that's where MMT comes in, of course, because what I've just been describing is the ultimate real constraint. Right. We always say countries face real constraints a limited amount of productive capacity, but the ultimate real constraint is that we live on a finite planet. Okay. Uh, I'm actually growing more fascinated by the day with ecological economics, especially with your your recent MMD um, Modern Money Donuts interview with Phil. So I'm actually looking forward to hopefully talking with him about that more. Um, I would like to switch back to Torrens University and the curriculum, yeah. and I'd like to do that with this question, and that is, you know, as someone myself who I've studied MMT for four years now, I I found it. I discovered it in, in in February of 2018. So I know a decent amount of, I think you know, basic MMT. I I I and I know that there's a good amount of people like me out there who know yeah. roughly, you know, kind of what I do, whether exactly the same stuff or, but you know, kind of roughly the same kind of competency that I do, and. First of all, I am extremely excited about doing this program, and I have a feeling that there's a lot of people like me out there. Like, it's kind of an urgency for me, and I don't just mean save the planet kind of urgency. I just mean like being able to to start over again is is very exciting for me. So, but my question my question for you is this: as someone who you you have a rough idea of my 
understanding of people like me of kind of what we understand. I would like to know the curriculum of Torrens. What what are the things that I understand that I will already know? And what are the major gaps that I can expect that I'm missing that I would that will be filled in by this by this uh, curriculum? And and I mean that on a, on not just like obviously there's some courses that I'm just simply not going to be familiar with, but even within the courses that that on the surface would sound familiar, I'm sure that there's major gaps even in there that I'm missing. So. Can you can you address that kind of the overlap of people like me with the um, with the curriculum that you're setting up? Well, the great thing is actually you're going to learn not just from uh, Phil and myself and Dirk and Sonada, who's going to be helping us and and uh, maybe others as well, but mainly it'll be Phil and me uh, initially. But you're going to learn from other participants on the course because I sometimes speak to people who are uh, I have a couple of weeks ago speaking to someone who might be the Jeff Epstein of ecological economics, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, so there are people who, who will be students on this program who know quite a lot about other elements of it that you don't know about, but who don't know the bits that you do, which is going to be great. So we're going to be facilitating a lot of interaction between people on the courses. Uh, in terms of what you're going to
Today I talk with Australian MMT economist Stephen Hale about the new and unprecedented graduate program in Economics of Sustainability. The program, which starts in September 2022, will be run by Torrens University, is backed by Modern Money Lab, and primarily developed by Stephen and Australia's leading ecological economist, Phil Lawn. Today in part one, Stephen talks about how the program came to be, the potential resistance expected from classical economics departments, and the basics of ecological economics. Next week in part two, Stephen gives an overview of the curriculum and potential degrees students can pursue, from a graduate diploma to a PhD. Until now, this podcast has served as my way to give myself as close as possible the education I was convinced I would never be able to return to. This is because of the potential cost, student debt again, and the impossibility of forsaking income and uprooting my family. I have two little boys. My wife has a reasonably secure union job as an elementary school teacher, and we just purchased our first home in summer 2021. Torrens changes everything. At $2,200 a course, given the current exchange rate between Australia and the U.S., it's expensive, but an entire degree at Torrens is about the cost of a single year in the predatory education system in the United States. Also, Torrens provides online access for those outside of Australia, recording the lectures for those whose time zones and work hours are incompatible with an in-person schedule. This makes it possible for anyone, anywhere, with any work schedule to take all of these courses. Direct in-person interaction with professors and fellow students will be scheduled multiple times each week, and there's always direct access to administrators when needed. Needless to say, I'm very excited. You can find out more about the Economics of Sustainability graduate program at Torrens by going to modernmoneylab.org.au slash courses. modernmoneylab.org.au slash courses. You'll also find some additional resources in the show notes. Finally, before we begin, I want to clarify. I very clumsily asked a question which Stephen understandably misunderstood. What I meant to say was, Khan Michalarkis is the second wealthy person I'm aware of to care enough about MMT to use his own resources and to encourage those in his network to pool their resources in order to further develop and spread MMT. I also meant to say that the truly elite benefit from the masses not understanding how the economy works. And now, on to my conversation with Stephen Hale. Enjoy. Enjoy. 